it just feels like the wound was reopened. We hear from the stepmother of a BC boy whose death investigation has led to two first-degree murder charges. Plus, what BPD is saying about a weekend murder in Crab Park and... Her body was left so disrespectfully and so dishonorably. A mix of heartbreak and anger at a vigil for Chelsea Poorman at the Vancouver house where her remains were found. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Police on Vancouver Island are set to host a news conference on Monday after Friday's arrest in the 2018 murder of a six-year-old boy. Port Alberni RCMP say investigations like the death of Dante Patrick Lucas are difficult for everybody involved. And tonight, as Kristen Robinson reports, the community is awaiting justice for a little boy whose life was cut much too short. Former neighbours of Dante Patrick Lucas Heartbroken to learn two of the child's family members are charged in his death. It's pretty shocking, but yeah, it's extremely sad. You're going to drive a fire truck? Six-year-old Dante Patrick described by those who loved him as a happy boy. Really loving. It's really caring. In March 2018, police responded to a call about a child in medical distress at this Port Alberni home. Dante Patrick was rushed to hospital, but later died. More than four years later, RCMP arrested the boy's 28-year-old biological mother and 29-year-old stepfather. It just feels like the wound was reopened. Raquel Charlson and Mitchell Frank are accused of first-degree murder in Dante Patrick's death. Lawyer Ravi Hira, who is not connected to the case, says on a first-degree charge, Crown needs to prove a murder was planned and deliberate. In other words, uh, a plan and a thought to kill, i.e. some thought um, beyond impulse that goes into um, doing the killing. The New Chanolth Tribal Council is relieved charges have finally been laid in Dante Patrick's death, but says it's taken too long. Its president stating, when the death is due to alleged family violence, we know there is still healing to be done in our communities from residential schools, racism, and colonization. It's going to be a lot harder sitting and hearing all the details, all the, all the details of what has happened. As the case winds through the courts, family members still awaiting justice for Dante Patrick. Oh, you're going to be a fireman? Got you, man. He's still loved. He'll always be remembered. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Police in the Lower Mainland are busy this weekend investigating two separate deadly attacks. The most recent assault happening in Coquitlam. The Mounties say officers responded to reports of a stabbing in the 3000 block of Glen Drive just after 1240 this morning. A man was found with a stab wound. Despite efforts to revive him, he died at the scene. One person has been taken into custody. The integrated homicide investigation team has been called in and is working with Coquitlam RCMP on the ongoing investigation. Anyone with information is asked to call the IHIT information line. 
And Vancouver police spent this weekend in Crab Park as investigators looked into a homicide on Saturday that claimed the life of another man. Paul Johnson reports. Neetu, the murder happened just behind me here in Crab Park late Saturday morning. This is Vancouver's fourth murder of the year. Police got a call that a man was being assaulted. By the time they got here, he was unconscious. Police and paramedics tried to revive him, but he died at the scene. There were unconfirmed reports from those who witnessed the scene shortly after that he'd been stabbed. The victim is 45-year-old Andrew Wadden of Vancouver. Police have also arrested a suspect. He is 26-year-old Eric Kim. He's charged with second-degree murder. The murder happened a short distance from a tent encampment that the Vancouver Park Board established late last month. Sunday, VPD officers were seen entering the camp and talking to people there, though police haven't confirmed any suspected connection between the camp and the murder or a previous connection between victim and suspect, though they say that's all still being investigated. The accused killer, Kim, already has a serious rap sheet for committing robberies with a fake handgun. He's due in court on Tuesday on the murder charge. That's the latest from here in Crab Park. Back to you, Nitu. All right, thanks very much, Paul. Community activists were out in Vancouver this afternoon near the intersection where a man died in a police-involved shooting 11 days ago. I'm here because there's violence in the neighborhood and I'm a parent, I'm a mother of two, and we live on Fifth Street. It happened at a residential building near East Fifth Avenue and Commercial Drive after police were called following a complaint regarding a man. He died at the scene after suffering gunshot wounds following an exchange of gunfire, say Vancouver police. Advocates with Pivot Legal Society and a coalition of representatives from the Defund 604 network say they're standing in support of the victim's family and other families who've lost a loved one in a police-involved death. They're elevating calls for more resources geared towards community-led alternatives to police crisis response, which often turns too violent. Clearly, I know that the person was in a social crisis, a mental health crisis, and we know that there needs to be alternatives to violent interactions with the cops when people are having a mental health crisis. The group is calling on the city of Vancouver to provide increased funding for social services, housing programs, mental health outreach programs, and a peer-led emergency mental health service. The VPD would not comment further on the specific case on Commercial Drive, as it's in the hands of the Independent Investigations Office. To the Okanagan now, where someone dropped off an old military mortar at the Salvation Army thrift store in Kelowna yesterday, causing quite the scene. The mortar round, similar to this one, found by two hikers in the North Okanagan in 2020, was discovered just after 9 a.m. in the donation area of the store. Police responded and quickly taped off the area. The Department of National Defense's Explosive Disposal Unit did attend. It determined the round was not live and disposed of it properly. And still ahead, a suspect caught on camera in a smashing spree. The downtown Vancouver shop targeted again has staff speaking out about a larger problem. Plus, what the mayor is saying after a teenager's death highlights the sidewalk shortage on city streets in Burnaby. 
Another downtown Vancouver small business is facing a costly insurance claim after its windows were smashed for the second time this year. Police are investigating after several angles of surveillance video show a suspect using a hammer to smash the windows at Stefano Ricci on West Georgia Street early Saturday morning. The suspect was not able to get in as the store's glass did not break despite the impacts and he's seen walking away afterwards. The high-end menswear store says it was hit just as business was starting to pick up after more than two years of the pandemic. We can really see that there's more and more of these break-ins happening uh, in the downtown area. And uh, I think maybe in a lot of people's minds, they think this is a big corporation. They're not going to care to lose a little bit, but they don't realize that some of these uh, have little businessmen, little local businessmen, uh, entrepreneurs uh, behind them like me. Stefano Ricci spokespeople say a rock was thrown through its glass in January, but so far no one has gotten through. The store also recently lost its street parking for a bus lane, but says free valet parking is available at the adjacent hotel. The mayor of Burnaby admits his city is about 20 years behind when it comes to building sidewalks on city streets. A new spotlight was cast on pedestrian safety Thursday when a 14-year-old girl was hit and killed as she walked home from school along 11th Avenue. The road is busy with construction vehicles and there are no sidewalks. Burnaby built more than 20 kilometers of new sidewalks last year with a similar amount this year. But there remain hundreds of kilometers of roads without space for pedestrians. The strange thing is though that when we do go to put sidewalks in, many of the residents don't want sidewalks because it takes away their parking. So um, that's one of, the, one of the reasons we're given. So we, it, it's not as simple as it seems. Um, I would really, you know, my goal is to have sidewalks on every street in the city, and I know that's the goal of council as well. Hurley says Burnaby added $10 million to its budget this year for pedestrian walkways. Supporters of the family of Chelsea Poorman gathered at the Vancouver home where her remains were found last month. This afternoon's vigil was a chance for family and friends, many dressed in red, to perform ceremonies and voice their concerns over an investigation that Vancouver police say has led to no evidence of foul play. And a warning, some viewers may find the details of this story disturbing. Dozens of family members, friends and supporters of Chelsea Poorman, who was 24 when she went missing in September of 2020, gathering at the property where her remains were recently found more than a year and a half later. A contractor working on the $7 million Shaughnessy home that's been vacant for several years with the owner overseas discovered her remains on an unkempt balcony, says a relative. Enough is enough. We stand in this circle to stand up and say, hold VPD accountable for their actions and how they treated our people. The investigation didn't happen properly from the beginning. But with the VPD confirming this week her death is not suspicious, they're calling for a more thorough investigation. I don't even think there were words to describe the mix of heartbreak and rage that we feel every time something like this happens. Audrey Siegel didn't know Chelsea, but is here to support the family at the memorial with medicine, songs and drumming. 
Also, she says, by helping them speak out against a system that fails to protect vulnerable people living with trauma and addiction issues like Poorman. And like Siegel's own sister, Maria, who she says died of a fentanyl overdose in 2019 while waiting to get into a treatment facility. My sister, my Maria, at 14, was brutally gang raped. She was sweet and innocent. The systems that are that need to be in place, the supports that need to be in place so we don't lose any more Chelsea's and Maria's. In a statement Sunday, the VPD said since the day Chelsea was reported missing, a probe led by a team of senior homicide investigators was detailed and complex, yet found insufficient evidence to suggest her death was the result of a crime. Adding, we know this news is unlikely to satisfy family, friends and community members who knew Chelsea, loved her and believed her death must have been the result of foul play. And encouraging anyone who has information that has not yet been brought to the attention of the VPD PD to come forward. This was preventable and that's what the most enraging and heartbreaking aspect of it is. Meanwhile, advocates here say in a societal structure that continuously disproportionately targets Indigenous women, girls and two-spirit people, the only safety they feel they have is the safety they create for each other. Still ahead, a surprise visit to Ukraine. What Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had to say during an unannounced trip to the war-ravaged country. Plus, Metro Vancouver gas prices soar to more records with no relief in sight. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made a surprise visit to Ukraine today. He revealed plans for additional help for that country's ongoing fight against Russia and reopened the Canadian embassy in Kyiv. Global's Crystal Gamansing has more on his visit. A show of confidence in Ukraine's capital as the Canadian embassy gets ready to reopen. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, along with his second-in-command, Christian Freeland, and Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie did the honours of raising the flag nearly three months after the embassy shut down. Thank you for staying. The moment was overwhelming for Serhii Mayer, who worked security at the embassy for the last five years and remained on duty every day. A similar sense of duty has been motivating Ukrainians to defend their country with a fierceness that has taken many off guard. While touring around Irpin just outside of the capital, Trudeau commented on the resilience of Ukrainians. The visit was under heavy guard and kept secret. Specifically, what did you see that you haven't seen over the last 70-odd days that stuck with you? I saw just how much... Ukrainians can do, standing against uh, a force uh, eight times as large as they were in defending their homes, defending uh, their land, of pushing back against the Russian illegal invasion. Trudeau came with more than just supportive words, announcing the removal of tariffs on all Ukrainian imports for one year, $25 million for food security, money for demining programs, plus drone cameras, satellite imaging, small arms and munitions, plus more sanctions on Russia. Canada will support Ukraine as you seek justice for your people who Russia is killing and brutalizing. With his country still engaged in a bloody and horrific war, Ukraine's president says he still needs specific defensive weapons to ensure his country's freedom. 
but says like Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia, Canada has answered his calls and he counts the country among a small group. We cannot ask from them anymore. So today we are hosting the leader of the fourth country that we also cannot ask for more. Ukraine's president says he will be putting pressure on other nations for more help and hopes that Canada will encourage others to step up. Crystal Gamance in Global News, Kiev. U.S. First Lady Jill Biden also making an unannounced visit in Ukraine today where she met with her counterpart, Olena Zelenska. The wives of the two presidents met in western Ukraine at a village school. Biden spoke of the U.S.'s solidarity with Ukraine. Local Ukrainian Canadians recognizing this Mother's Day with a gathering at the Vancouver Art Gallery this afternoon. As we honor all those mothers who have sons and daughters fighting for the freedom, please. The Ukrainian Canadian Congress hosted their 10th rally in downtown Vancouver today. Their members say it's a difficult day since many Ukrainian families will be recognizing the many mothers and children who have perished or been separated by the conflict. We want to celebrate, but at the same time, it's a bittersweet. We need to remember there's still children captured, there's still children underground in bomb shelters trying to survive, and there are still parents who are failing them because they cannot provide food, water, due to um, being captured by, by the Russians. And that's what devastates us the most. The war in Ukraine still having a direct impact on the price at BC pumps, with the cost to fuel up hitting another record high on the lower mainland. Some gas stations hiked up their costs again overnight, up to 2.22 a liter, another record high. Many motorists saying they're paying up to double what they paid at this point last year in order to fill up their tanks. And there is no end in sight, with the price hikes expected to continue as we head towards summer driving season. Yeah. Like it's killing us. Yeah. Like on Friday was 2.12, now it's 2.22. It's like 10 cent, two days. No good. Used to I feel pay $80, now maybe $200 I have to pay to my tank. I'm taking my mom up to Whistler yeah. for Mother's Day. And it's going to be kind of pricey. <laughs> we'll manage in the short term. I just hope they go back to normal prices eventually. Right after the invasion of Ukraine began, the group Kelowna Stands with Ukraine was formed. The organization collecting money and supplies to send overseas. Recently, it's turned to the business community for support with some surprising results. Global's Kimberly Davidson has more. Twenty-eight hundred pairs of knee pads destined for soldiers in Ukraine. Sometimes you just got to do the right thing. A contribution from the Kelowna Home Depot in response to a request from the grassroots organization Kelowna Stands with Ukraine. Soldiers, they often have to drop to the ground very quickly even without looking what's happening. They could be rocks or something and they just ruin their knees. So this will save a lot of people. The association has been raising money and supplies since the conflict in Ukraine started, and recently it's began approaching local businesses. Many of them would like to help so much. Uh, they um, don't uh, 
don't think about financial uh, profit or anything like that. They just want to help because they feel. The devastation caused by the conflict in Ukraine also reaching hearts at Big White Ski Resort. We thought, the, what, what could we do? And it was a season's pass holder's idea to make a toque. Or 250 toques knitted in yellow and blue yarn so skiers and boarders could easily show their support for the war-ravaged country. The snow caps flew off the shelves. We would like to uh, present this check to you for just over $8,000 today. And more are on order. We just blown away. Okanagan businesses and residents doing their best to help instead of standing by and feeling helpless. Health Canada has recalled some bottles of eye drops because they contain ingredients not listed on the label. One lot each of PharmaSave Advanced Relief Eye Drops and Complements Advanced Relief Eye Drops are being recalled due to the packaging error. Health Canada says they may contain undeclared glycerin, which can cause an allergic reaction, including a rash and itching or swelling, especially on the face, tongue and throat. The products are used for temporary relief of eye redness and are labeled for use by adults and children six years of age and older. The recall was prompted after a complaint involving the PharmaSave eye drops. And coming up, an animal doctor deficit. So we're in danger of burning out the people we have and then in a position where you can't offer any service at all. Why there's such a shortage of vets in one BC city, it's led to a hospital shutting down its after-hour care. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The Philippines, a nation of nearly 70 million people, is heading to the polls tomorrow to choose a new president. With nearly a million people of Filipino descent living in Canada, many here are watching with great anticipation to see who the power will shift to. Global's Dan Spector reports. There is a palpable sense of anticipation among Canadians with roots in the Philippines as the Southeast Asian nation approaches a presidential election where it seems no less than democracy itself is at stake. Why, Bongbong? Yeah. We need the change in our country. Unification. That's a Filipino. This Montrealer unequivocal in her support for Ferdinand Marcos Jr., known to millions as Bong Bong, who's taken a commanding lead in the polls. His father, Ferdinand Marcos Sr., was the deeply divisive dictator and kleptocrat who cracked down on dissent, thrust the country into martial law in the 70s before his ouster and exile in the 80s. So how has a former first family with so much political baggage prompted reactions like this? The younger Marcos has been accused of running a massive misinformation campaign to rewrite, minimize, and in some cases completely dismiss his father's record. Millions in the Philippines seem convinced, and so are people in Canada. I know, I heard, I read about all of this stuff, but there's no problem with all those things. This is the duster that I was wearing when they arrested me. This former political prisoner says she was detained, tortured and sexually assaulted by agents of the first Marcos regime. Hers just one of tens of thousands of similar stories, according to Amnesty International. The fear is that political opponents and dissenters will be treated the same way under a new Marcos regime and the past erased. The relatives proved that they were killed, summarily executed, uh, tortured. Lenny Robredo! Human rights lawyer Lenny Robredo is Marcos's most serious challenger, but she's being relentlessly smeared on social media and is about 20 points behind in polls. 
I see uh, Lenny Robredo uh, giving us, uh, I think, um, the principles of a good governance. Tenny Rose Dayandante is one of her biggest supporters in Montreal and got a barrage of angry messages after she held an event promoting Robredo last month. Being pink here, being Lenny Robredo here in Montreal, you need a gut. She sees Robredo as a hopeful step away from a corrupt regime. But if she were to defeat Marcos's information machine, it would be a huge upset. Inspector Global News, Montreal. Well, it's news that fans of a niche but very popular science fiction show have been waiting for. And it was announced today as part of a joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Doctor. Who? See what they did there? That is British actor Shuti Gatwa at the British Academy Television Awards announcing his selection as the new doctor. Gatwa becomes the 14th Time Lord. The time-traveling alien has adventures across time and space. Gatwa replaces Jodie Whittaker. She was the first woman in the role. Now Gatwa will be the first person of color. Gatwa will make his debut as the doctor next year. A lot of excitement over that one, it seems, and hopefully over the forecast, too, as we bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at it. But it's rainy today, isn't it? Yeah, we had a few breaks from there for Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to my mom and all the moms out there celebrating today. Uh, but we are going to still see cool conditions leading into back to work and school, and we still have some snow to talk about if you're traveling along the mountain passes, and I'll show you more coming up in just a moment. Temperatures right now, we're sitting at 11. We've got a southwesterly wind. It's sustained at 15, but those gusts right now just reaching over 30 kilometers per hour. Hour. Overnight tonight, we'll still see a chance for some showers. And then similar, we may have more cloud cover for tomorrow. 40% chance of a shower and another cool one. So bundle up with temperatures just getting up to 12. We've got lots of instability, and that's what we're going to continue to track, especially for the southern half of the province and extending into the southeastern corners. What we're seeing overnight and leading in towards the morning hours, that cloud cover, chance for some showers. Higher elevations, we'll still see the potential for some flurries, accumulating snowfall if you're traveling along the Kootenai Pass. And then through the day tomorrow, the south eastern corners of the province will even be looking at the risk of thunderstorms. The big concern or what we've been tracking is that snowfall. This is an earlier shot from our global Okanagan, Claudia Van Emmerich, catching this shot on the connector. But what we are seeing is for the Kootenai Pass, still an additional 5 and up to 10 centimetres. Along the Kootenai Pass, we've already seen upwards of 20 centimetres, so we'll be adding to that. The Coquihalla from Hope to Merit special weather statement, also seeing the potential for some flurries continuing in towards tomorrow. Similar for the Kootenai Pass, and then a heads up along the Rogers Pass, so Eagle Pass to Rogers Pass, we are going to be seeing the potential for some flurries. That starts to pick up tomorrow afternoon and then continues in towards Tuesday. So check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Snowfall for the northeastern corners. It's Fort Nelson, Munchell Lake Park, still an additional 5 and up to 10 centimetres, taking us in towards tomorrow. So that's the northeastern corners. But much of the coastal areas for the northern half actually seeing some breaks. It'll be pleasant tomorrow. Inland for terrace, even getting up to 15 degrees. Much of the central interior with a fair bit of cloud cover, a chance of showers. The area of concern will be the southeastern corners corners where we are looking at the risk of thunderstorms. Thompson Okanagan with a few breaks in there, a few isolated showers. Heads up, Whistler could still see a few wet flurries in the morning, changing over to a chance of showers and along the south coast, very similar to what we've been seeing over the past few days. Cloud cover, a chance of showers and temperatures up to 12. Showers through the day on Tuesday, it's still a few days out, but we could be tracking periods of rain and heavier at times for Wednesday onwards, so a bit of a bright spot through the day for tomorrow. Nithu? All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. And just in time for 
for Mother's Day, a soon-to-be mother goose chose well when it came to her place where her newborns will enter the world. Vancouver Convention Center staff have cordoned off an area on its Pacific Terrace next to its digital orca statue after the Canada goose chose it as the spot to lay her eggs. The goose was first noticed on Friday. The bird has been named Heli after the local helicopter operator Helijet. The company had initially planned to display aircraft nearby for a charity event, but decided to relocate it in order to keep the birds safe. The public is reminded to keep their distance from the net. Wildlife in general is a gift that we all get to appreciate, mostly from a distance, but the fact that they can have it here in the city, in the middle of Vancouver, and the government is allowing it to be protected it matters because without them and biodiversity as a whole we couldn't really survive so i love the fact that this is happening here now i do too happy mother's day <laughs> What a great perspective and happy Mother's Day indeed to the many who are celebrating in various mm -hmm. ways today. As uh, Barry joins us now for a preview of what's coming up in sports, mm -hmm. Barry. I just happen to have the mother of all sports cast ah, today, so I've been saving it uh, <laughs> for this uh, particular instance. Whitecaps, well, they chose a good time to finally get a win. Just their second of the season came down to the bitter end against Toronto FC. So I'll have highlights of that and we'll hear uh, from Vanny and the players on a real big victory for them. And the Leafs players and fans, are they're crying for their mamas right now because things are not going well for them in Tampa Bay. We'll have highlights of that coming up. Beautifully integrated. All right. Thanks very much for that, Barry. Also ahead on the news hour, the veterinarian shortage that's forced a BC animal hospital to stop after our care. Stay with us. This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team and let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at WorkoutToConquerCancer.ca. More people working in the veterinary field are speaking out about the impact of the labor shortage right now. In Kamloops, a lack of veterinarians is forcing one local animal hospital to reduce its after-hours staffing, leaving some clients to drive two hours to Kelowna for emergency care. Our report is from CFJC News. This week, clients at Riverside were informed that the animal hospital was forced to pull out of the Kamloops on-call vet group as they've been unable to hire new staff. Dr. Matt Nichols says it was one of the hardest decisions of his life, but with recruitment stalled and the fear of burnout rising, he believes it was the correct choice. We were eight veterinarians at the beginning of the pandemic. We're now down to five and been recruiting hard for the last year and a half. Uh, and next week we're going to be down to two. Despite an 18-month-long recruitment push, the hospital hasn't been able to hire any new vets. With other clinics across Canada and in the U.S. in the same boat, the challenge is set to continue. There's just not even many bites. And I think if you look in the Canadian Veterinary Journal, there are uh, at least four other hospitals in Kamloops advertising in that magazine right now. And you know, one of the other hospitals in Kamloops that was formerly a three, a three to four doctor veterinary, veterinary hospital is down to one. It's certainly become a huge problem in British Columbia. We know that we need, uh, they predict that we need 500 more veterinarians in the next uh, you know, four or five years in British Columbia. There's a lot of veterinarians are retiring. With the on-call requirements dropped, 
Nichols hopes the staff at Riverside will be able to get some rest and avoid burning out. We've got to protect what we've got because we're in danger of burning out the people we have and then in a position where you can't offer any service at all, right? That's that's the position you don't want to get into and that's we reached that point where we had somebody off three months last year with mental health leave. I crashed just before Christmas and I had to have a month off, you know, I just completely burnt. All the statistics in the world right now about veterinarians all over North America that are burnt out, um, their suicide rates that are uh, astonishing with veterinarians. The province of BC recently announced that they will be doubling the number of subsidized vet seats at a Saskatchewan college, but with those graduates still four years away, the staffing challenges won't soon be alleviated. Michael Reeves, CFJC News. All right, Barry's back with a full sports cast after this break. Also ahead, a BC father's fight to not only bounce back after his stroke, but to use technology to make life easier. Celebrate local seafood during the Steepston Spot Prawn and Seafood Celebration. From May 6th through June 5th, meet the returning boats at Fisherman's Wharf to purchase the catch of the day, learn from professional chefs on the culinary stage, and visit participating local restaurants to indulge in the fresh, locally caught seafood. Unleash your inner paleontologist at Science World. A T-Rex, the ultimate predator, walk through the world millions of years ago and discover a new story about the T-Rex, how it lived, hunted, and thrived in its environment for millennia. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you in part by the Salvation Army's Transform, an evening of philanthropy to rebuild Vancouver's downtown east side. All right, Barry's here for the full sports cast and kind of like the weather today. Uh, we're talking about a season that didn't get off to a great start. <laughs> uh, no, but there's <laughs> lots of time for it to improve. Sunny yeah. days are ahead. Indeed. That's my forecast. <laughs> Thanks, Neetu. Uh, it's the only uh, at the one-quarter mark of the MLS season, but the Whitecaps' horrendous start means if they don't get busy right now, the rest of the season will essentially be garbage time. Today at BC Place, the Whitecaps took on Canadian rival Toronto FC, who are also near the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings, not as bad as the Whitecaps. Vancouver's 1-6-1 record is the very worst in Major League Soccer. The losing streak hasn't affected Vanny's popularity, though, doing some selfies with the fans pregame. Always got to sell the game. Not a great start for the Caps. Ranko Veselinovich with the handball in the box. They went to VR and rightly so, the penalty awarded. But Toronto's Alejandro Pizuelo showing how you should not take a penalty. That was brutal. Still credit Thomas Hassall for guessing right and making the save. Scoreless at the half. Whitecaps had better energy in the second half and they should have taken the lead here. Brian White's header just wide. He's usually money from there, but he's had a tough start. Injuries and just hasn't really got much traction. 66 minute, TFC on the attack. Hassal makes another fantastic save off Pozuelo. Jaden Nelson puts it in. However, the referee called a foul saying that Nelson kicked the ball out of Hassal's hands. Replay shows Eh, that was a fortunate call for the Whitecaps. They'll take a break in a season that hasn't had many of them. Hassal had to leave with a hand injury. 90th minute, Lucas Cavallini charges in, chips it over to St. Ricketts, the former TFC, for the goal. Very close to offside, but after review, it was ruled a good goal. Ricketts had one called back in Montreal, but this time it goes Vancouver's way. And do they ever need it? Vanny celebrates like only he can. Huge win. Whitecaps get just their second victory of the season. 1-0 over Toronto FC. So I'm very happy that the protagonists of the win have been the guys that came off the bench. 
to remind everyone that the group is the leader. So Cody made the great save uh, as soon as he came inside and Lucas and Toss combining for the goal. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful, it's really beautiful. So it's, uh, I'm very happy. You know, it's happened to me a few times in my career where you know, I come out on the wrong side of VAR, but um, you know, I felt like I held my run. Um, and you know, it's obviously in those moments it's tight margins, but I was happy that um, you know, it wasn't called back. Yes, it's true. Vanny becoming the first Vancouver coach to ever say protagonist at a post-game press conference. Pep Guardiola and uh, Manchester City getting closer to wrapping up the EPL title. 19 minutes in, beautiful goal here by Raheem Sterling. And they rolled from there. Kevin De Bruyne with the corner kick here onto the head of Rodri, who knocks it in. City blanks Newcastle 5-0. Three points up on Liverpool atop the table, just three matches left in the EPL season. Check out some Western League last night. Game two, Vancouver Giants, Kamloops Blazers. Blazers in white. Nice goal here by Caden Bank here, outweighting everyone. 3-2 Kamloops. And then on the power play, Logan Stankoven. Another great setup this time for Dalen Kiefler. 4-2 Kamloops. Late second, Vancouver gets one back. Jaden Lipinski stopped. Ethan Semenuk on the rebound scores, but... Blazers hang on 4-3, lead the series 2-0, Game 3 Tuesday in Langley. Stanley Cup playoffs, Wild and Blues, Game 4, just win for Mom. Please, say the Blues fans. First period, Blues get the jump. Kairou, super talented kid, breakout season, 27 goals and 75 points. Cashes his own rebound here past Marc-Andre Fleury, 1-0 St. Lou. Second period, now 2-1. Ryan O'Reilly finds Kairou again and check out this move. Look at that, between the skates. A little razzle-dazzle by the kid. 3-1 Blues after two, and the moms love it. Third period, St. Louis puts it away with a pair of late goals from Ryan O'Reilly. Just squeezes it through Flurry, and we saw her earlier. That was Mama O'Reilly, who is excited in the stands there. Blues take game 4-5-2, series tied 2-2. In the East, Hurricanes and Bruins, strong start for Rod Brindamore's team today. The captain, Jordan Stahl, with the one-timer, gives the Canes a 2-1 lead in the first jump to the third now tied at two Canes in penalty trouble down a couple men and it's Brad Marchand who rips the wrister past Antti Ranta Bruins with their first lead three to two and then the perfection line with perfection from the faceoff Bergeron to Marchand over to David Pasternak beautifully choreographed play from the faceoff Marchand two goals three assists a five-point night the line combined for 10 points. Bruins win 5-2. That series tied 2-all. Game 4, Leafs and Lightning from Tampa. Tampa looking to even things up after losing Game 3. Great start for the home side. A minute in, Nikita Kucherov to Steven Stamkos. One-timer beats Jack Campbell. Lightning need more from their stars. And just like that, it's 1-0 or 1-0 Tampa. I guess I got soccer in the mind. Lightning were all charged up tonight. 2-0 now. Patrick Maroon breaks in. Jack Campbell made a nice save, but Maroon with the rebound. 3-0 Tampa just eight minutes in. Leafs look like they're content with a split in games three and four. Second period, lightning keep coming. Ross Colton races in, fires through Campbell's glove. It's 4-0. And then on a two-man power play, Kucherov fakes the one-timer, finds Corey Perry. 
That made it 5-0. The Leafs have scored a little bit in the third, but it's 6-3 late in the third. Tampa is going to even this thing up at 2-2. Blue Jays finishing off you know their four-game set okay. in Cleveland. Got off to a great start. Teoscar Hernandez back this weekend after missing a few weeks with a pulled oblique muscle. Two-run single here scores Bichette and Guerrero. So Toronto off to the good start. Alec Manoa, the former Vancouver Canadian, got the start today. And he will get the strikeout here. Manoa has been Toronto's best starter. 4-0 start this year. And his mom and his grandma in the stands cheering every pitch. Manoa went five innings, left with the game tied 2-2. And grandma obviously likes to color up the hair a bit. But the Jays' offense had just one hit and one run after the first. Cleveland scored two in the eight, including this one uh, on the base hit by Oscar Mercado. They're out on the rundown, but the damage was done. Jays dropped three of four in Cleveland, lose 4-3 today. Formula One in South Florida for the first time. The inaugural Miami Grand Prix. Series leader Charles Leclerc started on the pole, but his lead lasted only until the ninth lap. Max Verstappen with the pass on the inside overtakes Leclerc. Take a look from the cockpit cam there. Verstappen impressive, and he would never look back. Leclerc pressured him in the final laps. Got to within a second, second and a half, but Verstappen and Red Bull take the Miami Grand Prix. Verstappen closes the gap to 19 points behind Leclerc in the driver's standings. Carlos Sainz Jr. was uh, third, Lewis Hamilton sixth, and Canadian Lance Stroll 11th. And they didn't run out of champagne. NBA playoffs, game four, Suns and Mavericks from Dallas. Luka Doncic, always fun to watch, and he will elevate here and hit the short jumper, 78-67. Dallas in front, Devin Booker doing all he can to keep the Suns close. Will hit the corner three, led Phoenix with 35, but it was... Uh, too much Luca. Beautiful spin move here. And then lays it in. Making it all look just a little too easy. 26 points, 11 assists for him as the Mavericks. Hold serve at home. 111-101. That series now tied to a piece. In the East, 76ers in heat. Joel Embiid looking like the Phantom of the Opera. Wearing the face mask after suffering an orbital bone fracture. Curtis the uh, Pascal Siakam elbow late in the Raptors series. Former Raptor Kyle Lowry with the uh, layup there, but had the sore hamstring, grimacing in pain there, but stayed in the game. Another veteran, James Harden, with the uh, layup here. It's tight, though. Third quarter, Philly by three, 77-74. And we'll finish with some golf. Final round of the Wells Fargo from Washington, D.C. Canadian Corey Connors with uh, one of the shots of the day from the bunker at 17. Splashed it out perfectly. Takes a while, but it goes in for the birdie. Connors finished tied 21st at even par. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor finished tied 15th and won 142,000. Mackenzie Hughes, short birdie there. He finished tied for ninth. Third round leader Keegan Bradley had a horrible start. Three over through his first four, but he charged back. Great approach here at the eighth led to a birdie. He was back to even for the day, but it was Max Homa who took over down as he will birdie the 15th here to take a three-shot lead, and Max Homa wins the Wells Fargo Championship for a second time. He also won it back in 2019. That is it for sports. I think Banny and the Whitecaps still celebrating because they love to celebrate.
Absolutely, Vanny especially. We <laughs> love the energy Vanny you brings know to the what table. He's thinking, which yes, I like. yes, exactly. What you see is what you get. <laughs> Thanks very much, Barry. And we'll be right back with a BC man's inspiring inventions after a stroke flipped his life upside down. Stay with us. Saying goes, necessity is the mother of invention. A Vancouver man is the living embodiment of that proverb as his fight to recover from a stroke is now inspiring others. Here's Jay Durant with tonight's This is BC. Ryan Heitnen doesn't know how many hours he spent working on his 3D printer. There have been days he would barely leave. I would sleep in the living room. <laughs> a stroke almost two years ago left him with speech difficulties and the use of only one hand. So he's creating tools to help with everyday life. Awesome. A toothpaste squeezer, a device for nail clippers, a phone holder, and he's just getting started on his list of ideas. Hundreds of them more. <laughs> Before the stroke, Heitnen worked at EA Games in motion capture, but everything changed on a family trip to Hornby Island. Ryan suffered a brain hemorrhage and was airlifted to hospital for life-saving surgery. Doctors were unsure about his future. We don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I can just tell you it was very bad. And that was it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> But inspired oh, by his family, he was determined to walk again. Go, Ryan, go. And he did it with the help of specialists at GF Strong Rehabilitation. I just don't know that it couldn't have been done without them. He's made incredible gains in a short amount of time. There you go. He's my biggest role model at the moment, like just how determined he is and uh, how hard he works. Good job. You made it to the top. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now Ryan might need to step up printing production for his new friends at GF Strong. He's like, you need a nail clipper, I'll make you one. Yep. You need one, I'll make you one. Yeah? Yeah. No charge. <laughs> He's branched out a bit, making Halloween costumes, even a remote-controlled car. He messed it up, so I had to restart it. <laughs> But maybe the best one so far, a device so he can use the controller and play Nintendo against his son. Ah, oh, come on! The original gamer in the family was able to win at Mario Kart again, just once. He doesn't like to talk about no. it? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to win. Jay Durant, Global News. I'm in first. And Jay is always looking for a great story about BC to tell. So if you think you have something unique to this province that people need to know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. All right, before we close out the show, Yvonne, how will this evening close out weather-wise? A few showers in the mix. We've got some cloud cover, so keep that in mind for tomorrow. Another cool one on and off showers Tuesday, when, or Monday, Tuesday, and we could be tracking some more rain for our Wednesday onwards. So be prepared. Paging summer. Paging yes, summer. Exactly. Where are you? Anytime now. We're ready. <laughs> Thanks very much, all. Have a great night. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.